Influencers are over. That stereotype is done with. It's outdated. Nah, it's creators now, and they're doing so many different things. The term influencer doesn't really represent what creators are doing today. Creators are more like small business owners. And they're expanding into all types of industries. Like There is no industry that is off limits right now for creators. Mr. Beast has his own restaurant. Doug DeMauro has his own car auction website. And some creators like us are even uh, selling NFTs. I mean, if you've been following us for the past two weeks, we did a whole episode about our NFT just so we close the loop on that a little bit. This was the final sale price of our NFT. We will be telling all of you that full story in the coming weeks. So stay tuned and make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Today, we're speaking with a creator named Shelby Church, who's launching a style of creator business that we have never seen before. I did buy a house here in Palm Springs as an investment that myself and my sister are going to be turning into a vacation rental. We first came across Shelby when she talked about her YouTube earnings in a video that has over 9 million views. She's super transparent with how she makes money online, and it actually inspired us to be more transparent about it as well. I think for us, we recognize that when we as creators are open and transparent about how we're running our businesses, it helps all the other creators as well in our community learn about how they could be running their businesses. And on this episode, we talk about Shelby's latest venture and her first entrance into hospitality. She also talks to us on the show about becoming an angel investor. Also, as you'll see in the episode, Shelby just organically brings up public.com as a company that she really likes working with. And it just so happens that this episode of the show is brought to you by public.com. Public.com is the investing app that Colin and I use. It's an investing social network. We're going to talk more about it later in the episode when it comes up with Shelby. But if you want to check it out, public.com slash creators invest. The link is in the description and you'll get $10 to start on your stock investing journey today. All right, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. And Colin, roll the intro. I will roll it. But first, I'm going to need all of you to actually hit the like button. Because you said it pretty quickly yeah, and then you just it breeze past it. And, right. and it's right. like, yeah, right. you hear it like that and I'm actually going to do it. Once you guys click the like button, Colin will roll I the will intro. I will roll the intro. So okay. however much time you need. Cool. Okay, great. Okay, so I wanted to start off with this question. I don't know if you know the answer to it, but you've been on YouTube for 10 years, right? Maybe 11 now? Probably 11, yeah. I don't know why. I always stick with 10. How much money have you made in 10 years? Oh, on, I, have, on I don't channel? know. You have no idea I your lifetime yeah. on YouTube. I've actually tried to do on AdSense, like lifetime, but past a certain point, I think back when there were more YouTube networks, it doesn't have that data. Interesting. So I'm like, oh, it would take... A minute to calculate, but that would be interesting. The AdSense and everything. Do you have any sort of estimation or no? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it's been so long. I feel like, oh geez, I really have no idea. I could try and figure it out. Okay. Was there a time when YouTube AdSense really started to pick up for you? AdSense really didn't make that much. I feel like even three years ago when you couldn't do mid-roll ads, mm-hmm. you like a dollar or two compared to now, a lot of my videos have a $10 RPM. So it's really, really picked up where I'm like, this is crazy. You can live off of AdSense where I never used to really even look at it. I would be like, oh, that's kind of a side stream of income. But now I'm thinking it's probably one of the bigger ones. So mm-hmm. It's nice because it's more security. You don't have to do a brand deal or any of that stuff because you know if you post a video or it kind of lets you justify spending more money on the video, I think, like renting a location or Mm -hmm. paying someone to help you shoot. 
I think you're someone who really opened our eyes to the possibilities of AdSense because we watched one of your videos that I think has like 9 million views right now. That one really yeah, popped it really up. Took I off. was like, And then you made a video about that. how much you made from that video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we saw that first video and we were like, wait a minute, this is really significant. And this is something yeah, that crazy. there are actually things we can do, even as smaller creators, to try and keep AdSense in mind. Yeah. And you were a big inspiration for us. And we actually ended up making a similar type of video that did well. I saw mm-hmm. it. I was watching yeah. it and I saw it and I was like, oh, hey. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, I think you've inspired this movement and, you know, at least for us about being more transparent around the platform. And I think um, that really helps inspire other creators and bring more just shared knowledge because there are a lot of variables when it comes to this. So I'm curious, you, you started uploading content when you were 14 years old. Yeah. Why at 14 years old did you start uploading content? My sister and I started at the same time making videos and I had always liked editing and just when I did gymnastics, I'd bring a camera and make the end of the year banquet video. Just like thought editing was fun. And I had moved, my family moved across town um, where it was not near any of my friends. So I was just so bored one summer, me and my sister were, because we couldn't drive or 14, just kind of had nothing to do. So we started going on YouTube a lot, posting videos just for fun. Didn't really think it would ever make that much. I had heard about the AdSense program just from way back in the day. I don't know if you ever went on MySpace, but there would be those layout sites. And I made a layout site where it would earn like a little bit of money. So I knew AdSense existed, but I didn't think it was significant. I thought maybe it would make like a hundred dollars and being 14, I would be so excited for that. So it was really just for fun because I didn't think it would get that many views, but I would try and do like how to videos, things that I thought maybe people would want to see and also just some for fun. Um, So that, yeah, I guess it was just out of boredom for the most part. What did your parents think about it at that time? It's hard to remember. I think at first they were probably like, what are you guys doing? Um, but once they saw that we were making money off of it, they were like, this is really cool. Like, good job kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're always supportive of it. They were never like, I don't know, you should stop wasting your time. with Nothing like that ever. Yeah. And were there other channels that you were inspired by that sort of dictated the type of content you made in the beginning? Because you started out in the beauty space, right? Yeah. I watched all those beauty YouTubers back then. Like, um, I'm trying to remember who there was like Michelle fan, Blair Fowler, all of them. They were like the big YouTubers then. So I liked watching them. And I was, I mean, I feel like when you're 14 it's kind of when most girls are kind of like getting into makeup. So it was really fun. Whereas now I just do the same thing every day and I don't really watch those videos anymore. Cause I'm like, I got it down. But then it was like, such a fun thing. So it was a fun topic to make videos about because I just genuinely loved it. Do you remember receiving your first check from YouTube or your first, Um, you know, AdSense deposit? I just remember uh, it had to go to my dad's account because you have to be 18. So I remember setting it up and like having it go, yeah, to my dad's account and then he transferred it to mine. So there was no like actual check, I guess. But was that moment like, really exciting for the family. Yeah. Was it like, wait a second. I was like, what this just is happened? crazy. It almost didn't feel real that you could make money from something kind of fun. So it was awesome. And then yeah. did you get access to that money? Cause you're kind of like a child star in that way, yeah. right? Like you're making money, but you can't get it yeah. into your bank account. For sure. My parents always like yeah. transferred it or I'd be like, what? <laughs> it's a cool way to earn an allowance. You know? Yeah, like, for sure. 
Yeah, because my parents were never really like the type to give us like a really big allowance or anything like that. So maybe that's why I got more into it. Like, okay, if I can really make something off of this, like I knew they were never going to pay for my college or anything. So I was even more like, I got to figure something out. Interesting. So when I was finishing high school, it's when I was getting more into it. Like I should take this seriously because this could be like my like way to pay for, I guess I didn't really end up finishing college, but just what I want to end up doing. So how many subscribers did you have by the end of high school? And and what were some of the videos that were really like successful for you at that time? Um, I don't remember. I think I had maybe like a hundred or 200,000 subscribers and the most successful video was like a morning routine or back to school videos would do so well every year. Everyone in that genre would always do, we would go crazy with back to school videos, back to school outfits, all that stuff. So those did really well. Were there other people at school doing YouTube or what did, what did people at school think about you doing YouTube? There wasn't really anyone else at my school that did YouTube, but people generally thought it was kind of cool. It wasn't the kind of the school where people are bullying. I don't know. I've heard a lot of people have that issue, but yeah, people at my school like kind of thought it was cool probably because it was people found it after my sister and I already had a good amount of subscribers. Got it. Maybe if it had been when, you know, we had like a hundred subscribers, I think that's when people get kind of like bullied maybe because people are seeing the like beginning stage, like kind of like everyone's first video is kind of awkward. So yeah. How important do you think it was to have your sister also on YouTube during that time? Like, do you think you would have taken to YouTube and still be in it today if you had not had your sister in the beginning? I don't know. Cause she kind of made her channel first and that, or I think that I made a channel and then she kind of branded hers. Like I'm going to do like beauty videos and we're like, Oh, this is really working. So I think we kind of have helped each other along the way. So it definitely has helped a lot to have my sister, even just for brainstorming or whatever it is. So I don't know. I probably wouldn't have, it's hard to say. Yeah. Was there a community of other creators that you met during that time or like, like other people in your same category? Yeah. Once I was, uh, once I had moved to California when I was 18 is when I started meeting other YouTubers. When I was in high school, I didn't really like, I had watched other people and we kind of follow each other in that like beauty lifestyle realm. Um, but then when I could actually travel and stuff and go to some of those events like VidCon or Playlist Live or whatever there was, there's like BeautyCon, a bunch of different ones is when I would meet other creators. And that is like, that is a really fun part of it. Yeah. It, it's almost, it's funny because I think about when I was in high school, there was so many like extracurriculars that I was involved in, whether it was mm-hmm. sports or music. Did you have other extracurriculars that you did yeah. or was it primarily YouTube, like school and then YouTube? I did gymnastics for 10 years and Got diving. It. And so I didn't really have a ton of time to do YouTube then until I, I did one of those dual enrollment programs where you go to community college instead of high school for the last two years. Oh, wow. But it's like a life hack because you really only go to school like three hours a day. You can do like... I think at one point I went like once a week because I had a bunch of online classes. So that gave me more time to still do gymnastics, high school gymnastics. I was on like the dance team at one point um, and like get all the school credits, but still do YouTube. So if if that didn't exist, one of them I probably wouldn't have been able to do. How did you come across that program? Yeah. Yeah, How did that come to be? It was someone I did gymnastics with who was older than me had done it. And I was like, how is this real? Like, this is awesome. Cause you graduate high school with like two years of college done. 
Um, but it really only works if you stay in state. It gets really complicated if you try and transfer out of state and like private schools don't really like it. It's like it works well for a, like a certain situation, um, but it worked really well for just having more time, really. And I liked it. Was the idea that you needed more time because of YouTube or because of gymnastics or a little bit of both? Kind of both. Yeah, I think mostly YouTube, but also just... I like the idea that I could then get those college credits. So when I transferred, I could take, maybe I could do it in three years or I could spread it out, but have more time then, you know? So I don't know. I just like the idea of it. It sounded like a good, good call. I liked it. So did you transfer at that point or did you look at that and say like, I'm doing pretty well with YouTube. Maybe I should just take it as a career. I went to Orange Coast College for a year and I initially, I wanted to go to like Chapman or USC. So I applied I applied to Chapman, but I didn't get in and I wanted to go to the film school. I was always like really into that stuff. And Orange Coast College was really close by to Chapman. That's why I found it and they had a really good film program. So I went and I was going to take the, I think I had a couple more classes I had to take that didn't transfer from Washington to California to go to just any college. But then I ended up only taking the film classes and just never transferring because I was like, I could see how the trajectory was going with YouTube and it just didn't make sense. I was like $50,000 a year for school, like, and I won't have as much time. It just didn't really feel like a good idea. So I didn't, I didn't transfer after Orange Coast College. So at this point, you're obviously like, you're interested in film. You're interested, uh, you have a past with gymnastics, like you have varied interests. At what point does your channel move away from just beauty content? That was probably four years ago. Um, I kind of got stuck into that, into doing beauty content. And I thought if I tried to do other stuff, it wouldn't do well because I had built a subscriber base of people who just wanted that content. And then at one point it was like the algorithm changed. I felt like my videos weren't even doing as well. I was like, should I go back to school? Like maybe, maybe I'm done with YouTube. Like maybe this isn't for me anymore. I don't know. So I started just uploading whatever I wanted, like the most random stuff. I started doing more photography videos or like videos about how to actually make videos. Mm -hmm. And then eventually kind of through that, through just letting myself do whatever I wanted, um, found the kind of videos I do now, which I would call documentary style videos about tech, sometimes business, lifestyle. Some of them are more lifestyle, just whatever I think is interesting. And so at that time when you were in, at OCC, um, did you, like you were evaluating, okay, 50,000 bucks if I go to college and, you know, may or may not be valuable. Mm -hmm. Were you making enough money to like pay rent out here in LA or like, how did that work? Yeah. When I finished high school, I made enough to pay rent in all my living expenses in Orange County. Cause it's kind of cheaper to live in Orange County. Yeah, yeah, and then after a year, um, I was like, okay, I can now afford to live in LA. And wow. so I moved there and I forgot to add this, but all the teachers at Orange Coast College were like, don't transfer. Like, it's a waste of money. Like you kind of are already doing what you want to do. So why, you know, I don't know. You yeah, can learn a lot advice. of this stuff online or just like getting an internship or something. That's good advice. Yeah. So in, at that time, was all that money, like your, your living wage, all that is coming from YouTube AdSense or did you have representation? Were you doing brand deals? How, how, did you, how yeah. were you making money at that time? I got a manager, like the first manager I had when I was a senior in high school, like just finishing up high school. So 
that's kind of when I saw, oh, wow, brand deals. Okay. You can make like kind of a lot because AdSense didn't really make that much then. So I was doing brand deals and AdSense Got it. at that time. And yeah. what were like, what scale were you at in terms of subscribers and what scale were you at in terms of brand deals at that time? I think I probably had 300,000 subscribers around the time I was 19 or 20 and a brand deal for $5,000 would have been like, whoa, this is awesome. This yeah. is a lot. I yeah, think yeah, a lot yeah. of them were like two to three to five. And that's pretty good. More than that. Like yeah. you think about one brand deal and you're paying your rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then plus, I mean, I would assume AdSense was in the thousands as well as the, at that time. I don't even remember. I was with a network that gave me a $4 flat rate. I see. Which was actually a lot better than what I would have gotten without it. It probably would have been a dollar. Yep. Yeah. So I probably was making like 4000 a month on AdSense. Were you doing anything outside of AdSense and brand deals? No, just that. But you think about that on a good, on, a, on like a good month, you're making like nine grand a month. Yeah. And when you're right. 19, you're like, when you're 19, that's crazy. That's crazy. Just like, when I was 19, I was yeah. definitely Probably not like making, fun and interesting. And you're on YouTube and like, yeah, I can confirm. And it's like cool brands making, that you're yeah. like, wait, they want to work with me. Yeah. It was like, Crazy. Yeah, that's got to feel crazy. Like, I, yeah. I mean, you probably also had outside of living expense, just money to spend, like to go out to dinner in Orange County or yeah. go on trips. And like, that's really cool. Who were Definitely. some of those early brands um, that you were excited to work with? I'm trying to remember. I remember I did a brand deal with Procter & Gamble with like Crest. And I was like, this is crazy. Cause yeah, I feel like I grew crazy. up like seeing Crest white strips and yeah. stuff like that. I was like, that's like a big brand, not some random one. You know, you yeah. get those emails of kind of like maybe some company that does drop shipping and they're kind of like, I don't know. But the ones that you've heard of and grown up with, you're like, this is crazy. That's crazy that yeah. they trust me. Yeah. yeah. And was your sister with you at this point or was she doing her own thing also on YouTube? Like, how yeah. did that work? We always had separate channels. So we were always kind of doing our own thing, but we'd kind of help each other with our videos. And she lived at Orange County at that time too. And she lived in LA for a couple of years and then she moved back up to Seattle. Got it. And she still does YouTube up there, but she also does real estate. So kind of splitting her time with that. So now like when we look at that snapshot of time where you're 19 years old, you're making, you know, anywhere from five to, to almost $10,000 a month on YouTube. Um, you decide not to go and transfer to college and to pursue YouTube as a career. What did that mean to you? Like, what did it mean to pursue YouTube as a career? Like, did you want to expand it into other categories or just continue on with the advertising business? Like what, what, what did, were you just taking it a year at a time or a couple months at a time? Yeah, kind of a year at a time, but I always, I think because I wanted to go to film school, I was always thinking I want to do some kind of project that's like, I think at that time, a web series is, would be my thought or if I had an idea for just a higher production sort of, I don't know where it would live, but I wanted to do something more narrative based, which now I'm kind of the opposite. I love documentary style stuff and like real life, but yeah, I always, I liked YouTube, but I, I actually thought when I was 19, I was like, I probably won't be doing this when I'm 25. I'll probably like be working on, I don't know, a TV show or something, but it's, I don't I like YouTube because you have so much freedom. You can do yeah. whatever. And, and yeah. you can make a lot more money too yeah, doing sure. it. Like honestly, working with um, networks or, or other players is it's a lot more challenging mm-hmm. and there's a lot more restrictions around it. It's definitely challenging to, to make money doing that. I also yeah. think with documentary content, like when we first started out with this YouTube channel, a lot of our intention was we want to make a documentary film and we want to be able to fill our own theater. And oh, yeah. I think YouTube is such a perfect place for that. Like 
it's such a natural transition if you do want to do documentary films to like start out with a specific style on YouTube and then you already have your audience built in. Yeah. Which is like such an exciting thing that like you don't necessarily just start over if you wanted to shift to something slightly more traditional. Mm hmm. Yeah, you totally could probably just rent a theater yourself and set up the oh, whole thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that category shift for you, like you mentioned, or, or I guess the topic shift in content mm-hmm. where you went from primarily beauty content to saying, I'm going to just make whatever I want. Yeah. Was that scary? Did you think like, yeah. oh man, is my audience going to like this? Like, Because that's also intersects at the time where you're thinking that you're pursuing this as a career, correct? Yeah. So I was, I mean, I had already not really gone back to college I was like maybe I should go back um like maybe my time is done with YouTube I don't know but it was scary because I was like are people gonna like this but I just sort of figured out if I don't know I think my strength has always been in editing and so I can craft almost any topic to be sort of interesting I that's my Mm -hmm. goal like Mm -hmm. make almost anything interesting like a video just about this microphone if I had to just there's there's like a way you can make that interesting if you try. So it was scary, but once I saw it started to work, it it was also kind of freeing though, because if a video did bad, I was like, well, there's next week. I mean, you never know. It really just takes one video to really pop off and your whole channel will grow. Like that one that got 9 million views. I feel like after that, all my old videos started getting a ton more and then everything after that. So uh, yeah, I think it was because I was just experimenting with different stuff. But when you when you were thinking about going back to school potentially and quitting YouTube, was that because you weren't enjoying it because viewership was going down? Like, what was your mindset at that time? It was kind of both. I was really i I was bored of that lifestyle genre. I felt like it was the same stuff every year. Like, there's only so many morning routines you can make, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what else to do. So I was not enjoying it as much, and I felt like the viewership was going down. But just like shifting a few things made a huge difference. Just trying some new topics. Even I got a new camera, so I felt like my style was different. Just really trying to recreate it, rebrand it, sort of. Yeah, so it made me enjoy it more. I'm actually really glad I went through that because I think my videos are now a lot better than if they had been doing really well in that lifestyle genre. Maybe I never would have branched out. So I think it can be good if things aren't working. It it might push you to something you'll like better anyway. Yeah, actually, I think I mean, we kind of have gone through that recently. Um, one thing I think we realized was that everything comes down to the process of making a video. Uh, once you have the process down, then you can figure out creatively what the video looks like. And mm-hmm. I don't think we figured that out for a long time because um, I'd imagine the process of making a lifestyle video, even a vlog, is completely different from the type of video you make today. Yeah, right? no, oh, 100%. Now I feel like my process is pretty similar for each video, but definitely different than it was back then. What is that process today? Like, how do you identify an idea? How do you then take that into script? How do you, you know, how do you think about that? Do you have team members? Not really. It's mostly just me. And then I'll hire a videographer for the day sometimes, or I'll just try and get a lot of shots myself. Although I am trying to figure that out because I think it would help to have someone to work with on a consistent basis to like get your style. Like, I think it's cool. You guys can work together. Like it probably makes it much better than on your own. You can just, I don't know, like make something even greater. Um, so my process now I'll come up with an idea from anything. Like, I feel like they'll just come to me and I'll write them down. 
Occasionally, I'll try and brainstorm and come up with something, but I feel like all the good ideas are from just doing random things, and you're like, oh, that would be a good video, actually. So I always write them down. They're all over my phone, though, and like different note apps and everything. And then I'll kind of do a brainstorm of, okay, what could I do with this topic? Just write out everything, even like um, like shot ideas, a shot list. It's not a full-on word-for-word script, but I will have some talking points and then I'll go shoot for a day, get all the shots I think are going to be necessary for the video and really make it good. And then I'll rough cut it together. And then while I'm rough cutting that, I come up with like way more ideas of like what I need to mm-hmm. fill in to make it better. And so I'll shoot another day and go edit again. And sometimes I'll shoot once more after that. But usually it takes like two revisions of it and then I like it. But I do that for pretty much every video and I it feels unfinished if I don't do that. Like I feel like it's just so much better because I think of more stuff once I see it, you know, on the timeline. That's so similar to our process. I talk about that all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. incredibly similar in terms of funny. Like the first time we shoot something is almost like a storyboarding process, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you just have to see it in the timeline together to know how to even make the story. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with maybe just keeping twenty five percent of that. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to do for week make like documentary style kind of videos. Mm -hmm. So it's confusing. Like you may try and plan it out, but then I end up changing stuff and it just works out. I used to get annoyed with this process because I felt like it took so long, but now I've just accepted. I'm like, this is a good way to do it. Like, I think this is. And in my opinion, that's like your core competency. That's such a huge part of the talent is being a story editor. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you could take any topic and make it interesting. That all just comes down to looking at the pieces and understanding what piece you need to put in there to make the story interesting. Yeah. I think something that's really encouraging about your channel is that you can jump around and talk about a number of topics. Oh, there's yeah. so much emphasis nowadays on like, just stay within your niche. Like even us, yeah. we probably would not consider making a video right now that doesn't have to do with creators or the creator economy. But yeah. we, like at some point, even that will be like, man, I really want to go outside right. that a little bit. I know. And I've you're such a case study this. in that of being able to. Yeah. I've thought about this a lot because people are always like, just pick a niche and stick to it. And that does work really well at first. I think it is important to stick to one kind of niche as you grow a channel. Cause I did do those beauty lifestyle videos for years before I switched to different stuff. So people kind of get to know you from one thing. But then after that, it's like, as long as the video is good, if you think it's good and you'd watch it all the way through without it being boring. Um, yeah, I think it's okay to switch it up. Otherwise you start to burn out cause you just get bored. Like, we're humans. We have different interests. You know, it's like you can't just make one topic. I feel like it ends up better that way. Which is why yeah. like a lot of creators start second channels or podcasts. Yeah. Right. They're like, I just need to do whatever I want. Yeah. There was like a we question we, we posted on Twitter saying we're interviewing you and someone asked how you would describe your channel or the content you make because they were suggesting that oh, you yeah. make a lot of different types of content. So do you have a way that you describe? I have such a hard time doing that. Whenever I meet random people and they're like, what are your videos about? So I just say they're documentary style videos on a number of different topics, tech, real estate, business, lifestyle, different things like that, which I think people are still kind of confused after they hear that. So I'm trying to refine that. I think one of the things though that's really nice is that over time it's clearly worked. And that means that people are actually just there for you, which is excellent. Right. Because that means you could talk about all types of different things. I'm curious to get a picture of the Shelby Church business today and like what it all looks like. So if you if you imagine like a pie chart, you know, we talked about when you're in college, it's primarily 
brand deals and advertising. Mm -hmm. What does that pie chart look like today? It is still primarily brand deals and AdSense. I haven't really played around with merch really. So yeah, it's mainly, I would say brand deals are the biggest part of that. That would be like YouTube and Instagram. AdSense is probably close number two and kind of affiliate links. I've found, especially for business types of products like uh, stock trading apps, the affiliate links pay significantly more than like Mm. an Amazon link. And so I found, wow, that actually, that's, that can become a significant part. I want to do a course somewhere, I think on Skillshare, because I like how you can put it on Skillshare and people can get it like kind of for free, but you get paid more than if it was on YouTube. And then more recently starting the Airbnb project, we'll see how much that makes. Yeah. Making an Airbnb in case people haven't heard. (laughs) Yeah. Let's dive into that project. I think it's, you know, something that we talk about a lot is the direct-to-consumer model for creators. It, yeah. it pays significantly higher than advertising, correct? Like we did a online course last year. We sold it for a hundred bucks and just about 700 people bought it. And so you can do the math there. You know, it's almost $70,000 that's generated from that course. If 700 people watched a video of ours, there's no shot, right? That you, we're getting paid 70,000, right. either mm-hmm. from an advertiser, AdSense, doesn't matter. And I think um, that shows you the direct-to-consumer relationship, like you don't need millions and millions of people to make good money when you're selling something directly to your audience. So true. Merchandise is number one. I think that's like in the 1.0 version of this with creators, merch, clothing, apparel, like that that was number one. I think the 2.0 has been digital products, photographers selling, you know, LUT packs, selling now Mm. courses. And I think the 3.0 is starting to see these brands emerge in all types of category. Emma Chamberlain with Chamberlain Coffee. So it's like a physical product that's a separate brand. One category that we've talked about a lot internally here is hospitality. Because when you look at the landscape of what industries were kind of distressed from the pandemic or even have been struggling in the past, it feels like hospitality is one of those. And you're now moving into like hospitality. So maybe just talk about the project with the Airbnb. What was the, the impetus behind it? Why are you doing it? And what's you know, kind of the expected outcome of it. I knew for a while that I wanted to invest in real estate in some way. My sister and I had kind of in Seattle, we bought a townhouse, but it was just so she could live in it and not be paying rent, right? Just building some mm-hmm. equity. But I had gone to Palm Springs a number of times with my family and we always would just go on Zillow for fun and thought the prices of the houses were low compared to how much they would rent out for per night on Airbnb. And it just seemed like such a fun project to renovate one. Like I just love HGTV and house flipping shows and stuff like that. I thought it would be really fun to make content about. And so, yeah, my sister and I decided to go in on a house. It's a mid-century modern house. So very like classic to Palm Springs. And we're turning it into an Airbnb. We're calling it the Racket Club Resort. Love and um, yeah, so I've never made merch before, but now I'm like, I want to make merch for the Airbnb. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, hundred. And then sell it in the house if you want it. You can just take one, and you can be charged for it. It's or a great idea. yeah, like people are watching the videos, and if they want, if they think the design is cool and just want to get one, they can order it online. So it already sounds cool. I'd probably wear something like that. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like your name slapped on it. It's right. like it looks like a cool resort. Yeah. And I think this mm-hmm. is the, the 3.0, which is creators building brands, mm-hmm. right? And building brands that have long lasting impact beyond the content. Cause the reality is 
as you're building this thing, there's going to be probably a lot of people who go there who don't watch your videos. Mm -hmm. But then the opportunity is to actually have like an accelerant through your videos where, you know, you could probably book 50% of the dates just based on people who watch your videos. And you could charge a premium of people who are so invested because they've been watching the entire process and they're so excited to stay in this specific Airbnb as opposed to all the other ones. Mm -hmm. I know, but then I almost want to give them a discount because I'm like, oh, they've been watching, watching, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's fair. I'm like, yeah. Well, I guess also because them watching helps because you also are generating advertising revenue by talking about the house. Yeah. How much... Did it cost, first of all? Are you transparent around that? Around yeah. how much oh, the yeah. house cost? Yeah, all on YouTube. Okay. So I'm cool with that. Cool. Yeah. So how much did how much did the house cost? The house was seven hundred and fifty thousand, but we put probably a hundred and fifty thousand dollars into the renovation, a lot of it in the backyard, and then like new flooring, new kitchen fixing all the little things, fresh paint, just making it feel really like brand new. Over in this area, we haven't done a whole lot yet. We just put some decomposed granite down and we have that all throughout the yard, just anywhere where there was dirt to make it look a little nicer. It was more than I thought we'd have to spend on it, honestly, but I think now it will be worth it. I had a property manager come by yesterday and she thought it would go for like 500 to 700 a night. So I was like, okay, I, I mean, that's, that's yeah, like I mean, what I was hoping for. Yeah, that's cool. And then there's this whole other side of it where you can continue to make content about it. Yeah. Like how it's doing on Airbnb, like yeah. what I've learned, but maybe someone will trash it, make a video about that. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. yeah. Let's not put out, that yeah, out there in the universe. I'm hoping yeah. no one does that. I think creators don't recognize how good of an investment property can be. Oh yeah. Because again, it's a location for your videos, which you can, you know, expense and, mm-hmm. and write off. Um, and it's building equity. Like you're, you're actually building long-term value in that. Yeah. Because one of the challenging things is building a full business based on advertising. If you're building a business based on advertising. If next week you're like, I don't want to make YouTube videos anymore. That whole pie the That's half of the pie, if not 75% of the pie is like out of the question now. Right. And so, you know, for me, I look at advertising and I think about it as essentially you're raising money to invest in other stuff. Equity, right. Yeah. And so if you think about it in that way, it's actually the best type of fundraising because you're fundraising and they're paying you to build your own brand. And so you're getting paid to talk about you making this Airbnb, which will then in turn have an upper hand because you're making content about it. I just think hospitality is the next space we'll see creators get into and you're kind of pioneering that. Yeah. Well, and it's great that you get to stay in the Airbnb. Right, right. I know. That's why it's like, that's why I think Airbnb is so cool versus, um, I know people get into real estate and they buy properties and rent them out long-term, but then you never really enjoy that property for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a good investment, for the most part. But with this, I've heard it called a lifestyle asset where sure. you're making money off of it, but then you can go use it yourself. You mm-hmm. can bring friends. You can like have a weekend of shooting content there. It's like, it's hard to put a price on like how nice that is. Yeah. So as you're building it, are you bringing your audience along and like kind of sharing secrets about it? So like imagine an yeah. audience member goes there. Is there like a secret door they can open that only Shelby Church audience members know? Oh, about I haven't done anything like that, but that would be cool. I think you should do that because yeah. I think I would feel so special as an audience member if I go in and like I if I like pull out this book, there's a note from Shelby there. And like only oh, yeah. you know if you're part of like It's a good idea. You know, the audience. I think yeah. that's when hospitality gets really interesting because mm. you can still have people who don't want your channel going there. But yeah. if someone watches your channel, I think 
more so than a discount, I would want something exclusive, something yeah. that feels special that only audience members know about. You know, well, it seems cool because it speaks to like two different groups, or you can speak to two different groups. There's the people who just really love you and like want to interact with you and would love to see what's behind a secret door. But then there's the people who watch the videos because they want to be empowered on how to do this themselves. Mm. Yeah, that to me, I think is the coolest thing is that you are educating people about life as you're living it. Let's talk about the stock market for a second because I know some of you guys follow this stuff like I do, and it's all of those things that I wish I did know about or learn about in college. Right? Oh yeah, which is like for me is like that's the value prop for your channel. Right. It's like let me just watch. They're Shelby kind do of it. educational. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I think you'll do really I've well with a course. Yeah, I actually think you take something like this, like the Airbnb project, start to finish. You filmed all of it. You've made your money in advertising with it. You'll make your money on renting it. But I think you package it up and you make a course called how, like to, how to make an Airbnb. How to make an Airbnb. How to make yeah. a successful Airbnb. That would be cool, especially because. Yeah. I I don't know how well a video that's so niche of like how to make an Airbnb would do on YouTube, right? Sure. Because mm-hmm. not that many people have the means to go make an Airbnb. So it would probably work better as a course because those people that do probably have some money to invest in like, I mean, I feel like I have learned stuff that I'm like, wow, I, I think, I don't know. I've never bought a course, but I can see now how there are expensive mistakes you make with renovations, especially totally. that it, it's like, just knowing like a couple of these, what are, the course would pay for itself with Big a time. lot of the and time. And there's nowhere yeah. to learn these things to truly get in the weeds on it. Where are you going to go? So what do you think for you right now, you know, obviously this Airbnb project feels like a big step into the next chapter of your business. What do you want to be doing in the next 10 years with all of this? Or do you, have you thought about that? Like what is the future yeah. of Shelby church as a brand? If this Airbnb does well, I would love to do one in another location like Big Bear or something, but mm-hmm. I also, it has taken a lot of time and I, I miss making, like interviewing people and like getting really cool B-rolls. So I think I'll still be doing that, um, but we'll see what the topic is, I guess. It's interesting to think about the hospitality stuff, just to go back to it around, like you could in a sense almost have an operating partner for that and you keep yeah, making the content. The Racket Club Resort could pop up in Ojai and in Big Bear and, you know, Mm. across the country and you could just have an operating partner for it. Your X factor is that you can engage an audience and you can storytell and you have taste that's going to connect with millions of people. The concept of, you know, spinning up a hospitality brand or short-term rentals is not as novel as what you do. It might even happen that a big hotel operator who is not as successful partners with creators to make a, you know, a hotel brand that's based on creators Yeah, and that all the creators can talk about and then becomes the cool hotel that you stay at across the country. And like, that's the world that I think we're going to enter into. And why I suggest that I think the creator economy has very much arrived is because no one is now looking at, at YouTube, which I'm sure over the past 10 years, someone has reacted to you saying, I do YouTube being like, okay, whatever. That's not that interesting. Like today, if you say like, I'm a YouTube creator, there's people's ears perk up. Yeah. They're like, what do you, what? And they're like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah. Like look it it up right then. Yeah. 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 And, and I think people also, it's widely accepted that YouTube creators have the potential of making a lot of money, which I don't think was a widely accepted thing. Even when we first started, no one believed that. Like when I first started uploading to YouTube, everyone around me was like, that's a hobby. That Mm -hmm. is not a business. 
Yeah, I remember one person specifically when I was in high school. I was like, I don't, I, I straight up don't believe you make money on that. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think what's yeah. cool now is it's not just money based off the platform or advertising. Like the idea of being a YouTube creator comes with, is starting to come with this idea of being like a multifaceted business owner, which is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, it really helps any kind of business that you want to do. It seems like mm-hmm. it always helps to have like a following or to make, videos about it, it definitely, I think, will with the Airbnb. And I've thought about that because it's like with real estate, you just need so much capital to get a house. So that would be amazing to do. So when is the Racket Club Resort open? Okay, it's almost done, but we still have to go through the like full inspections and everything. So I think it'll be like a month or two. But Until it can be rented? Yeah. Oh, we got to go stay. Absolutely. We, we, yeah. we do a, a show every once in a while where we review like YouTuber merch. Oh yeah. Go that review the house. And we'll go review the house. Yeah. That would be so fun. The house and the merch. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be great. You definitely should do the merch and build a brand around Racket Club. Yeah. Resources. yeah. Really cool. We've been working yeah. on logos and stuff. Cool. So awesome. bought the domain name. Cause nice. it's like, I'm big on domains. Yeah. yeah. Thousands of domains. The reason we aren't profitable is because I buy too many domains. He's got a problem. <laughs> so I have a problem. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. GoDaddy calls me and just thanks me. Oh yeah, honestly, they're like, I'm surprised that he didn't own Racket Club. You're like right. the gold yeah. status, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 100%. yeah I own like Racket Club. Right? I own. So if I ever have an idea, I'll buy every domain for it, and I have ideas every day. So it's a oh problem. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. like video ideas for you, but you're like, oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like brand ideas. Have so. you had some where companies are like, we want this domain? I've yet. seen the value of some of them like skyrocket, but oh, I don't know yeah. what to do with them. We should make like, a video soon about all the domains that you own and how to sell them. Open up and see if anyone wants to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is Hawaiian shirt.party. Yeah. That's my favorite domain that you have. That was an idea I had one time. Hawaiian shirts. It's just a website that sells Hawaiian shirts. One day. One day I'll do that. I mean, there's always new companies being made. So it's just a matter of time before one is like, we want that as our name. We need that domain. They just raised a ton of money. So they're like, right. Whatever, we'll Whatever just spend it. it. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a Hawaiian yeah. shirt company watching right now that's like, Possibly. that's a much better domain. Yeah. And a better yeah. domain. Let's do that. <laughs> like, we need that. We need that. Well, hopefully if anything came out of this interview, we've sold Hawaiian shirt. Right. Part. <laughs> yeah, I hope that so. Would be exciting. <laughs> you also do some angel investing. Oh yeah, I just started doing that. I was curious yeah. to hear about that. I know you're featured as, a, as an investor in, in Creative Juice. Yeah. Um, how did that, like, how do you feel about investing as a creator? Like, what's your take on that? I've always thought, or not always, but more recently thought that was kind of like the future of brand deals, like doing a, a product placement type of thing in exchange for equity, because it really incentivizes you to work with brands you like love, mm-hmm. like as much as like Tesla for me, they don't really like, do that with anyone, but if they did, I would <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. take my money. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can just buy the stock, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I like that idea and I've noticed different brands from like, I would totally like invest in them, especially if it's early. Um, and now companies are kind of down for that. Um, are you suggesting it or are companies coming to you with those proposals? Some are coming to me with it, but some I'm like, I'd be down for it, but I, I don't know. I like, I think public, I just did a brand deal with, and I really like that stock trading app. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's one. I'll just put it out there if they're watching. It's a great lead in because this episode (laughs) is brought to you by public. Isn't, isn't it great? I'm being dead serious. No, it is. This it is? is sponsored I by love Public. it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so that works out. Yeah. Shout out to the team at Public and let's go into the integration. Here we go. 
Public.com is an investing social network. It's a free app where you can own the companies you believe in and share ideas in a community of investors. There's over a million members on Public, so you can get a ton of different perspectives on the app. There's a ton of creators who use Public.com, including ourselves. Colin and I are both on Public. You can follow us there. The great thing is, even if you invest somewhere else and you're not on Public yet, they're very helpful in terms of transitioning your portfolio onto Public. I do like that. It is very helpful. Yeah. But one of the best parts of public.com is that it's built for creators. It has a social feed where you can interact and learn from other people in the community. You can also post your thoughts on the stocks that you're investing in. I recently posted some thoughts about Roblox. I also wrote a post about Roblox. Okay. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't read it. Well, that's rude because I read yours. I don't yours. know if I follow you. Do I follow you? Do I? Do you guys follow Colin? <laughs> Okay. All right. Either way, uh, neither here nor there. (laughs) You can invest in thousands of publicly traded companies for as little as $1. So head over to public.com slash creators invest and you'll get $10 in free stocks. You can get started today. How cool is that? They'll give you 10 bucks. That's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, if a thousand of you sign up, that's That's, $10,000. You're right. I just did the math real quick. I mean, they're, they're, they're out here trying to help you get started in the stock market. That's super cool. So make sure to head over to public.com slash creators invest. That link is in our description and you can follow me. You can also follow Colin. Yeah. You can also follow me. I haven't, I haven't made the decision yet if I'm going to follow him or not. So, okay. Well, we've only known each other for 10 years. Okay. All right. Back to the show. (laughs) But yeah, I think, um, creators on cap tables, like creators getting in equity positions in companies is also a part of this, you know, 3.0 of, of the creator economy. Um, because I think people are seeing how valuable it is if you're involved. I think in general right now, creators are realizing that this career has staying power and that you can be here in 10 years, maybe in 15, in 20, if you want to be. Totally. Like when I was 20, I was like, I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 25, but I'm like, this is like the best thing I could be doing. (laughs) I I, I always felt like every year I'm like, I'm going to get out of this game. Yeah. Yeah, Cause back then people like talked to, I feel like everyone thought YouTube was just like, not that serious whatever, but it is like, maybe, uh, our videos aren't as prestigious as something that's like on a streaming platform. Like that just seems like really cool, but it's also really cool to just do whatever you want and like have the freedom to do whatever you want. Like that's awesome. Totally. I mean, I think, I think what we're about to see happen the next 10 years of this business is going to be crazy. Mm. I think it's going to shock all of us. Like, I think in 10 years, we're going to look back and be like, whoa, I can't believe all of that happened because it, it, we're yeah. seeing just the acceleration of it right now. And I think the opportunities are just yeah, The endless. progress in the yeah. last year, year in yeah. comparison to the last 10 years. Like yeah. it's crazy. It's like a snowball yeah. now. Just kind mm-hmm. of. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully the next time we collaborate, it's at the Racket Club Resort. Yeah. Is that, when sure. can, so people maybe potentially by the time this comes out, it's like you could book it. Oh, it probably won't be quite ready, but it'll okay. be almost, maybe I'll make like a, make a landing list page. thing. Yeah. yeah make a landing page. page for it. The racket club resort yes. and people could sign up. Yeah. It'll be, there'll definitely be like full before and after videos and stuff. All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming by and yeah. everybody definitely go check out Shelby's channel and check out the progress. She's definitely pioneering a brand new business in the creator economy by going into hospitality. And if you want to learn almost anything, just go to Shelby's channel. Shelby. Great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming yeah, by. Thanks yeah. for coming. Man, the racket club. Okay, this is like so cool to One me. One of the like coolest things I've the, heard the, of a creator doing. The world of creators moving in to hospitality and food and beverage and just like experiential things, I think fascinating. I also think it may have pushed us over the edge to start the Colin and Samir 
hospitality group. Yeah, sure. Where maybe we open up an Airbnb. What would be in our Airbnb? Coffee. You know, it'd be cool, actually. If you made an Airbnb with like lights, mics, cameras. Oh. So you could go stay for a weekend and actually like get your pilot episode of your idea out. Like imagine if you could show up, you're a creator, you show up to an Airbnb, you stay for two nights and there's like a brainstorming room. And then there's a, here we go. Right. This is it. Okay. Let's we already it. have a couch. Okay. Right. We got a big screen. Okay. So it's sort of like a living room. Okay. We got a loft, which uh-huh. we've been talking about turning into a space. Okay. Throw a, a bed up there. You want to turn our office into I'm an just Airbnb? Saying we could make extra income. Okay. <laughs> on Saturdays, Sundays, and days that, you know, who knows, maybe we're not in here. People will come in. Record. Okay, let's ask the audience. Would you guys stay <laughs> at our office if we turned it into an Airbnb? I don't even know if this is legal. We're gonna, I'm going to get arrested by just even saying this. Like, this is not legal to rent get arrested out. by saying it. I don't know what I'm I talking say we about. do come it. On. Okay, all right. <laughs> what do you think? So thanks to Shelby for coming on to the show and a huge shout out to public.com for sponsoring the Colin and Samir show. They are awesome. And if you want to follow both of Colin and I on public, we post about the companies that we've chosen to invest in. Also, if you're interested in the creator economy, we have a newsletter that goes out on Tuesdays and Fridays that gives you the three top stories in the creator economy. It's called the Publish Press and it's also linked in our description. So make sure to sign up for that if you are interested in what we're talking about which I imagine if you're at the end of this video, you're probably pretty interested in it. But also, should we turn our studio into an Airbnb? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, yeah. Comment sign below. up for the published press. Yeah. Obviously, if you don't yeah. already. But, you know, also, let's have a conversation in the comments about our studio becoming an Airbnb. Cool. So check out the description. There's going to be links in there. Colin, do you roll the outro? No. What? I roll the outro. Yes, Samir. I tell you this every time. You're right. Okay. Every morning I call you and I say, Samir, do you know what you have to do today? And you go, what? I forget. I say, come on, man. Roll the outro. I'm a professional. That, every day I wake up and I'm ready to roll. The bit you're doing right every now Every day is, I wake up I'm, and, and I'm ready to roll the intro. I'm going to tell you right now that the bit you're doing is crushing our retention. Okay, I'm going to roll the outro. <laughs>